welcome back to the Flow and Flourish podcast. I am your host, Nicole Rohn, and you are in for such a good episode today. I know that I've talked a lot about how I am a mom, but I don't feel like I've made very many episodes that speak specifically to the mothers. And so today we are talking all about what it's like to be a mom and some of the challenges that specifically come up for us. And you have Miss Whitney Johnson, who is going to tell you all about it. And you get to listen in on our conversation about how to really navigate through dealing with being a mom, losing your identity, going through postpartum, just so many different things. And so thank you again for tuning in. If this is your first time here, then I absolutely recommend you go back to the first five or so episodes and listen to what this podcast is all about, because it's really a place for us to talk openly and honestly about the different challenges that come up as we wear multiple hats and deal with the different competing priorities. And so again, this is that safe space where we get to take off that cape, take off that mask and really get some tips, tools, and resources on how to do this thing called life. Before I jump in and read you Whitney's fantastic bio, I do want to let you know that this episode is being brought to you by the Capacity Calculator. Yep, the Capacity Calculator that I created for women just like us who are busy, high-performing, high-achieving, and may not really know what's on our plates. So this is a free tool for you to really take an assessment and become more aware of what you really have on your plate and find out if you are in fact running around at max capacity. So head on over to my website or Facebook or Instagram or even the show notes from this episode so that you can take your free capacity calculator and figure out where you are capacity wise so that you can show up in excellence in every single area of your life. Okay, as for Miss Whitney, let me tell you, Whitney Johnson is the founder of the Real Motherhood Circle, which is a parenting support company devoted to teaching and supporting Black moms through the challenges they face through motherhood or motherhood, as she calls it. Her work centers around helping women build strong relationships that support them in recognizing their purpose, developing their own identity, and creating harmony between work and home life. Before devoting herself to becoming the motherhood motivator that she is today, she was formerly known as the preschool whisperer, where she often shared game-changing tips, tactics, tricks, hacks, strategies, and all kinds of learning activities that supported parents. After working with hundreds of clients from so many different walks of life, she noticed that they all had one thing in common. They all wanted to be a good mother, but they lacked the time, energy, and even mental capacity to find themselves in the midst of parenting and trying to do it all. Her signature method, the motherhood method, was created because she believes that if you have the right mindset, uncover who you are, validate who you are, activate strong relationships, and ask for help, you are truly operating in the fullness of what it means to be a mother. Help me welcome my sister from another mister, Miss Whitney B. Johnson, to the podcast, y'all. 
Miss Whitney, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me and coming on to be on the Flow and Flourish podcast today, ma'am. I am so ecstatic to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk. Girl, this is <laughs> Me too. Yeah, like we have been like ready. <laughs> We've been ready. We face some resistance, some interference, mm-hmm. all of those different things. And I'm just glad that we're able to get together today to talk and This episode is going to be super, super special because it's specifically for the mothers out here. Not mothers, not mamas, but mothers. And I want you to be able to really explain what that is because you have this whole movement that you're doing. And as a mom, of course, I identify wholly that sometimes we're putting ourselves in situations where we are being spread thin like peanut butter right? Do peanut butter even spread thin? My mama is the one who said thin like peanut butter and I'll just roll with it. I love you, mom. But you know, if it's the good creamy kind, it spread real thin. I know. That's okay. Laugh. That's what this is for. But but we are, we're spread really thin, right? We're trying to figure out how to take care of stuff, not only for our children, but for ourselves. And if you happen to have a whole nother person in your life, then trying to meet the needs of that person too. But as a mother, I want you to first and foremost, just tell us a little bit about who you are, how you got here, what you do, and then we'll just keep rocking. My name is Whitney Johnson. I help moms reclaim their time back and I help them define themselves through motherhood so that they can create peace within their homes. Um, My story really began back when I was about 21 years old and I got pregnant. And I thought that I could still live this fast-paced lifestyle because that's what I had been doing up until my 20s. I was going out. I was partying. I was living my best life, okay? And then when I had a child, I had to, like, fit into this box and be this totally different person according to what everybody else thought I had to be. And so for so long, I did that. I overworked. I paid for this. I bought my kids this. I took them there. I did all the things. And I never found any fulfillment within myself. And eventually I spiraled and spiraled into postpartum depression and I was hospitalized for it. And now I'm at a point in my life where I realized that all those experiences led me to where I am today because a lot of my work revolves around helping a lot of women avoid anxiety and stress pertaining to their roles as moms. Mm. So that's how I got here. That's what I do in a nutshell. (laughs) That's a whole lot. And it just, I want to unpack a couple of those things because number one, you said you help us to really not live in this box, right? And to have this peace, to create this peace within our worlds as being moms, because there's so many different ways that we are being stretched. And you talk about how you wanted to continue at the same fast paced life, right? As you had prior to having your child. And I identify with that so much because I was 18 when I got pregnant. Mm. And so I thought that I was going to be able to continue to do the exact same things, right? Like, oh, I'm just going, I had a fantasy made up in my mind. Like I'm going to have a nanny and I'm going to be able to go out and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. First of all, my body didn't even snap back. Right. So let's start there. Okay. And then to add to that, now you have this whole nother human being that you're responsible for, and you have to figure out a way to really be able to take care of them. 
like for me, I just think that a lot of times people put moms in this box and think that you have to be a totally different person because you've become a mom. Mm -hmm. And I remember so many people like coming down on me and saying, you shouldn't be going out. Don't you know you got a child? Or you shouldn't be spending money on this. Don't you know you got a child? Or you can't do this anymore because you have a child. And I'm like, dang, like this is a totally different life. Like, how do I go from somebody who's so fun and loves to have a good time and so full of so much energy and so much life? Mm-hmm. And then I just become this like serious drill sergeant who is so focused on making sure my kids know everything that they need to know that I lose touch of all the stuff that I want to learn or all the things that I'm interested in or all the places and experiences that I want to sometimes be a part of. And so I think that because so many people put so many things on us as who we should be, we lose our identity and don't even hear ourselves telling ourselves what we want to do. We can't even hear it. Yeah, that's it, right? Like we get bombarded with just being mom to the point where it's almost like we have to kill ourselves and or we're taught that, you know, you are no longer important. Your role as a mom is what's most important. And so I love that you are helping us to regain that focus on ourselves and understanding how being our best selves as individual women is what is going to allow us to show up in excellence and be the best moms that we can be. You talked a little bit about how you bought all the things, you did all the things, and you still weren't fulfilled, and that you ended up with this postpartum that left you in the hospital. Talk to me in hindsight about how that showed up, what it looked like, or what it felt like, in case there are other women who are suffering through that, because I didn't realize until after I'd had my son, maybe like a year or two later, I'm like, wow, that was postpartum. And that was a real thing. So talk to us a little bit about that. Oh, yes. So I can remember like thinking that I think in our culture, we see that, you know, all these labels and all these things you have to wear, your designer this and your kids got to have the Nikes and this and so When I first had my son, like I would stay on top of all the name brand, like making sure he had this and make sure he had that. And they can't walk in stuff. Right. 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 And making sure that I worked longer hours because he definitely needed the new J's that came out the next month. So I would work extra hours to make sure. I'm rolling over here. (laughs) Yes. Like I would have to work extra hours and pick up other people's shifts and I would do things like that. And I was filling up my son's cup so much with things that he didn't even care about. Like for him, he could have wore some Ninja Turtle shoes and be done with it and whatever. But I listened to a lot of what I thought you were supposed to do from what I saw growing up. Yeah. And I imitated a lot of that through my own motherhood. And I think that those were the things that kind of pushed me in a way where I lost touch of who I was. Right. Because like even my grandparents, my moms and all those people who, you know, raised me, I used to use a lot of their principles and my parents. But a lot of those some of those things I say left me a little tarnished because they didn't really speak to who I was at a child at that age. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I realized is that by listening to all these things and I guess identifying with who everybody else wanted me to be or who I thought everybody else wanted me to be is what eventually led me to postpartum depression. Like I couldn't be all those things. It was too hard. It's too hard to try to be everything for everybody in all ways possible. And so I can just remember not eating 
at points. I can remember not sleeping at night. I can remember not wanting to hold conversations. I can remember not wanting to connect with my child. I can remember all of those moments where I just had normalized myself being in this black hole because I did not know how to get out. So it just became my norm. Every day I would wake up and I would feel the same way and I would just go through the motions just to say that I was going through them, but I was not here at all. And I think it wasn't until my husband actually saw me, he was my boyfriend at the time. So it wasn't until he seen like scratches on my arms and he realized that there was something more going on than I could even verbalize at the time. You gonna make me cry. Yeah, (laughs) it was more to it than he could deal with at that time or me or anybody could deal with. It was beyond our hands. And that's when I realized that my postpartum depression had gotten the best of me. And I had lost my true identity. I had no time for myself. I didn't know how to find time for myself. And most importantly, I didn't know how to ask for help because I did not grow up around seeing women ask for help. So I never knew how to surrender. Hmm. Never knew how to surrender. So I would just keep going and going and going and going. And then, you know, I eventually crashed. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You said so many things. (laughs) So many (laughs) things. Um, Not being able to ask for help, right? And also... All of the different, I want to say stigma, the stigmas that come with our people before us, right? Our mothers, our aunties, our grandmothers, all of the things that they put on us and the expectations that we then try to conform into. Um, You mentioned how you grew up and the way that you were raised, maybe carrying some of those things over into your current parenting style wasn't something that really worked for you then, but you still brought it into what you're doing now. And I want to talk about that for a little bit because I know too, and I've experienced that, right? Like I was raised that you don't listen, you get your butt beat. If I got slap you in the mouth, bust your lip, whatever, like, you know, I only had a handful of whoopings in my life only because you could look at me the wrong way and would like do enough and make me cry. But even carrying that over into now, right? Everything that we learned does not necessarily mean that it has to be used in the parenting context and world now. And I want to give people an opportunity to really understand that you don't have to keep bringing that with you, right? And parenting is individual. Like I have this, like I said, the 17-year-old and the five-year-old. And for some reason, even with me being as smart as I am, right, and having all the degrees that I have, I automatically thought that. I could parent him, the five-year-old, the way that I parented the 17-year-old. And it's different. It's not Mm. the same. And so being able to really allow yourself the flexibility to use different tools and to put away things that no longer serve you, even in the parenting realm. I just wanted to touch on that for a minute because I know it's a lot. So yeah, you want to add to that? So yeah, I think one of the biggest things that I've learned, because I have three kids of my own. I have a one-year-old. I got a four-year-old and I got a 10-year-old. And so one of the things that I've learned is that through parenting, your children always give you what you need. And you don't realize that you need it, but they give you what you need, right? And so each child is specifically designed to hone in on that one insecurity, that one thing that you try to avoid, that one thing that you can't stand about other people, that one thing that you thought that you could just go through life and never have to face and deal with. But your children are positioned to help you grow into that person that you didn't even know that you could be. And so instead of trying to avoid that and trying to fix them into somebody different, you have to meet them to where they are because they were planted and created to help you grow. 
Ooh, that's a whole word. So yeah. be who you need, right? To help you deal with those different insecurities. Mm-hmm. So you mean the six-year-old ain't trying to take me out? <laughs> okay. Yeah, because like I think, like even for myself, right? My daughter, her mouth sometimes is woo, right? Her mouth is crazy. But I can also remember being that mouthy child when I was growing up and everybody would tell me that I had a smart ass mouth, mm-hmm. right? And so I thought that me being able to vocalize and share my opinions and thoughts about things meant that I was being snooty or smart or it wasn't a good thing, right? But then as I grew and started to develop who I was as a woman, I realized that having confidence in myself means that I have to be able to speak up. And that means that I have to be able to vocalize and say what it is that I need and when I need it. And so those things weren't necessarily a bad thing, even my daughter, right? So she has a mouth. And I remember me being younger and people would tell me that I shouldn't be talking to people like I did, or I had a smart mouth, or you ain't got to talk like that, right? And so eventually I view the things that I say as negative. Mm. I view the way I talk as negative. I view my voice and anything, any opinions I had about anything, I automatically thought that I was the negative person, right? Because people told me that my mouth was too smart. My mouth was this, my mouth was that. And I eventually realized that as a woman, you have to have confidence within yourself. You have to be able to speak up and vocalize for the things that you want in life. And I believe that my daughter is constantly teaching me that. Mm -hmm. I really believe that she's teaching me that and allowing me to see the beauty in my own voice, right? Because for so long, I didn't hear that. And that's an insecurity. I didn't hear that for so long. I can't talk. My voice is this, my voice is that. And so now I hear my daughter and she speaks and she says what she wants to say. And this is my opportunity. Instead of me looking at it as something negative, I look at it as an opportunity for me to teach her how to be confident in what she says, still being mindful of other people. Of course, you don't want her to be rude or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but it's an opportunity for me to grow and show her how I've grown by teaching her how to use her voice in the right way. You can still talk and say what you need to say, but you're going to have to deliver it in a different way. So I use it as an opportunity rather than something that I got to be ashamed of or embarrassed about. Ooh, come on, real mother. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, I love that because we are taught so early, you know, to be quiet. Don't say this. Don't say it like that. you got a smart mouth. And so we start retreating inside, right? And thinking that us being able to speak up is something negative or You shouldn't be able to do that. And I just want to tell you how much I absolutely love that you look at it and you use it as an opportunity to not shut her down, but to help elevate her confidence and teach her the skills on how to do it. Right. Like I tell I've been telling my daughter that for the longest time because she is like a spitting image of me mentally, emotionally, all of those different things. And her words cut. I'm the one who will cuss you out and I even got to say a curse word. Okay. And so she's that way. And I've been telling her since she was little, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And really being able to build up that skill in her. So I love that you are creating this safe space to allow her to really flourish and practice those skills and her confidence. You so dope. I love it. Yeah. And I think that's important too, because, you know, our world is so diverse mm-hmm. and there's so many different types of people all around this world, right? And so, When we get into a habit of programming our children to be many versions of us, we don't allow them to really dig deep into their differences, embrace the things about them that are so unique that nobody else can do like them. 
And so that's what this does. This gives an opportunity for everybody to feel supported, seen, and heard within the home. This is how you start to create that peace by putting on that barrier and saying, I'm not going to use your mouth as a weapon against you by saying that you're the way that you talk is too smart. Your way you, I'm not going to use that against you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help you embrace it and position it in the right way so that I can still create peace in my house. I ain't got to go off on you because you got <laughs> your smart mouth. I know how to use it to grow me and support you developmentally. And so that's what I think the whole piece of it is, is making sure that it's used the proper way instead of used in a way that is shameful or embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said so much. So really <laughs> using it to promote peace, right? Don't use yeah. it as a weapon. Use yeah. it to help grow yourself and to grow your child and to create right. that peace as a mother. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about what mother is and it's M-U-V-A-H. And how it's different from being a mama or a mother. Talk to us about what that means, how you created it or why, and just dive into the details because I love it. Okay. So for me, I always felt like I had a little bit of an edge, but I, like I said, I'd never allow myself to tap into it. I kind of just play it safe, put myself in this little box, but I found that there's no fulfillment in trying to put myself in a box and trying to be like anything else. And so the whole meaning behind the brand is just to be real and true to who you are. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be like the typical mom. You don't have to talk and dress and do the things like the typical mom to be a good mom. Only thing you need to do is be intentional about the way that you parent your children. And that's what this space is about. It's about creating a space where you can be real about the challenges that you face and you can truly find your own fulfillment in the process. Girl, this is so good. And (laughs) you know, I've been watching on your YouTube channel and I'm an avid fan, just all of the different things that you talk about. You literally break it down and allow us to really 100,000% be authentic and be ourselves. And so I want to ask you, for women who feel like they have lost themselves being moms, what kind of tips do you have that can help serve us as we're trying to figure out how to get back in touch with who we really are. Ooh, that's a good one. So the first thing that I, I would say- you, I know you ready because I see- I'm so her. ready. I'm ready. so ready, <laughs> right? Like this is my thing. So the first thing I would do is establish some type of boundaries within the house. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing that I would do before anything. I would establish a boundary that specifically gave me five to 10 minute windows of me time. And I would do that on a regular basis throughout my day until I felt like I was in a mental or physical space where I could think more clearly. And I think that that's the biggest thing. You need clarity when you feel like you're in a dark place. You actually need something that gives you the light at the end of the tunnel. And so one of the things that you can do to create boundaries in your home is create a time frame where you do have time to yourself or you create a schedule that does plan out time for yourself. Oh, you have rules that support you creating times for yourself. All these things are little boundaries that you put in place so that you continue to have your peace of mind. You have those times throughout your day where you have clarity to sit down and journal, meditate, or do whatever you feel like you need to do to kind of empty your head. But the first thing you have to do is establish those boundaries within your household. And when you have small children, One of the things that you're going to have to do is you're going to have to show them what boundaries even mean, because they're too young to really understand that concept. They don't understand what boundaries are. They just, like you said, they just come and do whatever they want to do. Like my kids, they used to come into my room 
early in the morning and just bust in and get in my room. And I'm like, no, because I don't want to start my mornings like that. I'm not effective if I don't start my mornings off quietly with some type of wind down music, journaling, praying. Like I have to do the whole thing, right? And if my What's kids just, with that? <laughs> yeah, so if my kids come just jetting into my room, I miss my piece. And so then I can't show up for who they need me to be. And so one of the things that you can do in those instances is say, you can't come in mommy's room until mommy comes to get you. Mm -hmm. I have to come get you. You don't come get me. I'll come get you. And so what I've done just now is I've created a boundary, but I didn't say, hey, mommy needs her me time. I just created that boundary that says, don't come to mommy. Mommy's going to come to you. Just please be patient. And these are the boundaries that you have to put in place so that you can get more time to yourself so that you can actually find out what you need and why you need it so that you can move forward. Listen, you don't even know how much that just blessed me in this instance, because that is something that I literally deal with. Like I told you, I'd be thinking the six-year-old trying to take me out, right? (laughs) And so he does, he busts in my room in the morning and that is what starts my day. And I have to gently Mm -hmm. and kindly redirect him. But I love Mm -hmm. that you say, put boundaries within your household. And I was texting myself, putting these notes down as you were talking. So I don't want you to think that I'm not paying attention. I'm literally, I'm like, establish boundaries in the house. But no, because that then allows you to, like you said, ease into your day and you're giving yourself what you need. So I love it. And it literally just blessed my whole life. After this call, we gonna establish some boundaries. And I, I love that you say you don't have to sit down and say, well, Mommy's setting a boundary. That's not how that works. We don't even do that with grown folks, right? We no. I'm about to drop. I just don't answer the, the phone. phone. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to talk to you. I answer the phone. It's no. the same thing. And it's just doing it in a way that is impactful for your kids. I love that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you said it's- setting the boundaries. And what else can we do to really help promote that peace and help get back in touch with ourselves if we feel like we're lost in this world of motherhood. Okay, so the thing about motherhood is it comes with another little person or a big person or whatever you want to call it, right? So you want to set the boundaries for yourself, but then what happens with your kids, right? So one of the things you can do, let's go back to the example we just had a minute ago, the child just burst into your room and you now have a new boundary in place that says, hey, mommy comes to you, right? So then they're in their room and they're like, so what am I supposed to do? Right. Because you have smaller kids. They're going to be looking around at you like, girl, I'm not staying in this room. What do you mean? I'm not staying in here. So you have to all day here at all. So you need to have something in place that's going to support them just as much as you get in support. So one of the things that I would say you could do is you can maybe put like a little fruit station in their room where they can have different fruits that they can try and sample. I like to do apples because they don't tend to make a bigger mess. And I'll put like apples and water in the room with my kids and they'll be able to eat a little snack. I'll put like coloring books. They only get these things when the morning time comes though, because I want them to understand that this is specifically my time and this is specifically their time. This is what you do during your time. This is what I do during my time. And then when I come getting you, our time is now, right? Mm -hmm. But that's the boundary that you're not only setting with yourself, but you're also teaching your children how to be by themselves. You're teaching them independence. You're teaching them that it's okay to be alone and to respect other people's space. Oh, you got to stop right there. (laughs) Because so many times, I know I grew up this way, right? You're left to your own devices trying to figure it out. I didn't have somebody to say, 
okay, this is, you know, my time or put that sort of boundary there. And then I had something to do. So I love that you are not only giving them something to do, but you're also establishing this independence and setting the tone for us to know that it's okay to be alone. Because that's still something I'm going to be honest that I struggle with, right? Like I talk all about how, you know, once a month or, you know, every other month, I go and I spend a weekend at a hotel and I get so excited. I'm so geeked to go and be there by myself. And then I get there and I'm like, I wonder what they're doing. Maybe I should just go home. Maybe I should just go get one of them. And it's because I never knew how to really be alone. And the fact that you're instilling this already, especially in the younger kids, girl, you changing generations. I just yeah, it's it's so important because you know, like me, even myself, like I didn't even know how to sit and meditate, right? Because I don't know how to shut my brain off. I always think that there's something that has to be happening. Somebody has to be doing something, right? Because like you, I was born to think that that's what you're supposed to be doing. You got to be doing something. But I think one of the things that we can teach our children is stillness. You don't need an agenda. You don't need anything to do. I don't have it. I don't know what you're about to do. <laughs> I don't know. And then they give you them eyeballs like, what? Right. But I'm going to give you space to figure that out. I'll give you things to support your curiosity. I'll give you apples that you can try to sample. I'll give you a little sample of some water that you can sample. Maybe you want to write. Here's some coloring materials that you can have. You can set the space up to support their curiosity and exploration, but you don't have to guide them through that. The only thing they need is for you to set the stage, but they don't need you to think for them. So you create the space for them, but you allow them to start thinking and piecing together how they want to do this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what's going to matter in the long run is being able to sit with yourself and be able to make decisions based off of your own intuition, trusting yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you're teaching your children when you teach boundaries. It's that awareness, right? You know, as the capacity coach, I'm always talking about how you have to, number one, be aware. And if you are in a space as an adult where you are so busy running around, you don't know how to sit still, you're not going to really even be able to know what's on your plate or to know what your capacity is. So the fact that you are already, you know, helping us to teach our children how to become independent and to practice stillness is again, something that we are going to be able to do for ourselves as well. Come through mama. It's not enough for us to do it for ourselves. We also got to pass the game on to our kids. We also got to position them to be able to do this too, because the last thing we want our children to grow up thinking that they always have to be doing, you always have to be showing up. You always have to be doing something in your role as mom. You have to be something in your role as wife and this, like you always have to be, 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 but sometimes you don't need to do anything. And I think that we need to teach our kids to trust themselves and be self-aware of who they are and find their own identity. They don't have to have the same type of identities, beliefs, and things that we have. Mm -hmm. We can just accept them for who they are and allow them to be free thinkers. Oh, that's so deep. So, so deep. (laughs) I want to unpack that a little bit more as far as moms sometimes, or just as women in general, we're running around, we're too busy to sit still. We think we always have to be doing something as a mom, as a wife, as a sister, and all of those different things. Talk to us about how we can really learn how to put away the guilt that we associate with not doing anything, right? Because I know, I'll say for me, I still sometimes feel like I have to be, whether it's cooking, 
or cleaning or I'm working on the business. And so that's taken away from time that I could be spending with my family. So when it does come time for me to sit still, I'm like, oh, I probably should be doing X, Y, Z. How do we deal with that guilt of feeling like we always have to be doing something? Okay, so one of the th- main things that I always keep in my mind is that I have to eliminate expectations, mm. right? Because that's where all of that mom guilt typically stems from is expectations. We expect ourselves to be superwoman. We expect ourselves to not make mistakes. We expect ourselves to not burn out. We expect all these things. And one of the biggest things that can eliminate a lot of mom guilt is just eliminating the expectations that we have of ourselves, There's no way in the world that we are always going to be able to create this imaginary thing called balance. It does not freaking exist when you are a mother. It's not here. You're not going to find it. There are going to be some days when you are all into business and some days when you're all into family. And it's kind of like this thing where you have to find your own harmony. You have to use that based off of your own feelings about what you need most in this season. But one of the biggest things to help you get there is eliminating the expectations you have on yourself. You putting all these expectations on who you think you're supposed to be. And again, that goes back to who we were raised by, what they told us, what we assume we have to be. And it's just a cycle that continues and continues. So you've got to rewrite your own story. You have to rewrite your own narrative about what motherhood and being a business owner and all these other roles. What does that even mean to you? What does that even look like for you? So once you get clear on that, what that looks like for you, eliminate the expectations, eliminate the expectations for always getting it right, always making sure that it's always in sync and in balance, because there's no such thing as real true balance. You're going to either be all into one thing and something's going to not get all of your attention or vice versa. You're never going to get that true balance. I always say go for harmony and peace. I love that. And you know, I'm running around telling people I'm helping them create balance between their personal (laughs) and their professional life, but it is more of a harmony. And that's what I I say as well, right? Like when Mm -hmm. you think about the scales that you see, like on the law firms, those sorts of things, one's always up or one's always down. There's not, it's not ever just even. And so I love that you say to eliminate those expectations because ma'am, The expectations that we put on ourselves to be able to do it all, to be able to deal with it all, and to be able to do it by ourselves, right? Mm. It's crazy. And so I want you to talk a little bit about asking for and accepting help, because it's one thing to already say, I need help. And it's another to really accept it. And I know I've had my own experiences where I felt like asking for help was weak right? Like, again, comes with that expectation. So I'll stop talking. You talk to me about the help, the asking for it, and then really being able to receive what you've even asked for. Yes. So like, even like, I remember going back to my old story, my own story. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember when I was going through the signs that I saw going through postpartum depression, but I did not see my mom ever asking anybody for help. I didn't see my grandma asking nobody for help. I didn't see my aunts asking nobody for help. So I was like, okay, it's something wrong with me. It's definitely something wrong with me. They didn't need why it. Am right? I not, why am I not as strong as they are? Why am I not able to kick it in the high gear like they have? Why am I not able to show up and do all the laundry and cook all the meals and make sure the house is spotless and make my, like, why am I not able to do that? And so a lot of times I held on to guilt on top of shame. So it was guilt and it was shame. 
around needing help. So I already had this negative thing about help from get-go. Like it was just, don't ask anybody for anything. And so when I got to the situation where my husband was like, you know, I see the scratches on your arm. It's time for you to go seek some help. Instantly, I felt my heart drop (sighs) because I was so scared. Like I, there's no reason I can't, there's no, no, I can't let nobody know I need help, especially with me being a mom and my mom's going to be upset with me because I'm like, I just had all these things in my head about why I could not ask for help. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until my mom got to the hospital and I never shared this before, but I think it's, I need to share it. So I got to the hospital, my mom got to the hospital and she asked me, she said, Whitney, why come you didn't tell me that all these things were going on with you? And I just looked her in the eyes and said, I did not know how to ask you for help. I did not know how to ask you for help. And me and her, me and her both just kind of, it was just like this silence. Because that's, I think at that moment, that's when it hit both of us, that this is something that has been going on for years. And although I had finally said I didn't know how to ask for help, I think that she also realized as a mom, there were times when she also felt like that. And these things seem to be generational. They seem to go on for so long that we don't realize the importance of seeking help sooner and faster. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And once you get to the point where you actually accept that help, though, on the other side of that help, you do feel like you're filling up your own cup. You do feel that relief coming off of you and you do see the light at the end of your tunnel. But I do agree that one of the hardest things is accepting the help, especially when you're so programmed to believe that asking for help is weak. Yeah. And the fact that, like you said, we grow up not seeing other strong women around us ask for help, right? Just because they didn't ask don't mean they didn't need it. Mm. They too like us, maybe didn't know how to ask for help. I literally got all choked up and teary-eyed over here as you told your story about your mom asking you that because similarly, when I was going through what I was going through and ended up in the hospital, my mom and my sister both said to me, why didn't you tell us what was going on and ask for help? And One of the things that I often hear people say is, I didn't want to burden you. You got enough on your plate, right? And so to be so transparent in a moment and say, I didn't know how to ask for help. And to see that you had a breakthrough with your mom, like the generational bondages that are being broken in this moment, right? It is okay to ask for help. And so many of us just still to this day don't want to do that but it does not make you weak. It makes you strong, you know? And I like to say as a mom that children see, they do what they see you do, not what you say, right? Mm -hmm. And if we are running around trying to be superwoman, not want to take this cape off, having these unrealistic expectations, what do we think the children that are watching us are going to do? Especially if you have daughters. Daughters, oh my God. Oh my God, that is one of the biggest things for me. Because if you have daughters, you're basically teaching them that you need to be last. When you become a mom, you are last. Your needs are last. You do everything for everyone else. You do not ever ask anybody to support you or help you. And we're creating this false image of what motherhood should look like from the beginning, before they even decide to become moms. You know, they already have this negative image of, who they have to become when they become moms. Like you have to do this and do that. And and it's almost like we're programming them to already be prepared for burnout. 
preparing them to already be prepared to not feel fulfilled and be happy and be okay with who they are and not to prioritize their own well-being. And that's one of the most detrimental things that we can be doing, especially like you said, to young girls is teaching them that that's what they need to strive to become once they enter into motherhood. And instead we can create a different image by showing them how we do ask for help, how we do surrender when we're tired, how we do take breaks and take moments. I have timeouts. I have mommy timeouts. (laughs) Don't ask me nothing. Don't ask me nothing. Wait, I just need time out. You put yourself on time out? Yes, because you know, like sometimes your kids will try you and they will get to a point where you don't know what to say, but you don't want to say the right, wrong thing. So in those moments, I encourage everybody, take your own time out. You don't have to always tell them go somewhere. Sometimes you may need to go and just give yourself a few minutes to regroup so that you can come back effectively and do what you got to do. But I take mommy timeouts all the time mommy's on timeout right now yes and I tell my kids and I'm honest with them when I come back to my timeouts and I tell them it's not that you did something I need to deal with my emotions I tell them what's going on with me I'm dealing with my emotions it's tough for mommy right now this is going on whatever it is but you have to be honest you have to be open it's okay to share with them that you are going through something tough and you need a space for yourself again We're teaching our children that it's okay to need help and support. And it's okay to take a break when things become overwhelming. One more thing I wanted to say, my daughter, even her now to this day, she has this whole thing about being a big girl. And so I tell her because, you know, in her mind, she thinks big girls don't need help from anybody, but I don't want her to create that image either. So some of the things that I tell her is that you can be a big girl, but big girls also ask for help. Big girls also need help too. Big girls can get help and still be big girls. And this is preparing her to realize that as you grow, you can still get help. As you become bigger, you can still ask for help. And you're still a big person. You're still big. You're still matter. You're still significant. And so those types of principles are so important, even at a very, very early age. We have to start. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And it makes me think about my 17-year-old, right? Something you said triggered something in me because I remember her telling me, mom, I run around and I see you give to everybody else. You take care of everybody. You jump in and do everything for everybody. And then I see you so tired and it hurts me that you're so tired. And I was like, okay, I have to fix this because I am teaching her, literally teaching her to do the same things. And so once I started to implement self-care as a practice, not a one-time thing, because I say that self-care is a lifestyle, um, even though she said it was hurting her to see me do that, it was also a shift in our household dynamic when I started to take time for myself, right? Like, okay, so you're going to go stay at a hotel by yourself for two days. What about me? Like, what am I supposed to do, right? And so literally having to teach her through my actions as well that it's okay to take that time. It's okay to raise your hand and ask for help because I was a single mom for so long too, right? It was just me and her. And so she saw me be the, I am woman, hear me roar. I don't need nobody, none of that. And now I'm able to, of course, step back and let my husband handle a lot of stuff, right? Come on, man. I mean- And to be able, and so as she, of course, is dating and doing all those different things, it's good to sit back and say, hey, 
you need somebody that can help you with this, that, and the third. And it's not that you can't do it for yourself. It's because help is okay. And then even in our household, right? Like I also witnessed her running around trying to take care of me, trying to take care of her brother. I'm like, that is not your job or your responsibility. Your job Mm. is 17 to go to school, to get your life together. You're not my parent. Mm Because I don't know if you have experienced this, but I tend to parent my parents because I feel like it's my job to do that. And so wanting to break that. So just everything that you said made me think about that. And I just, I absolutely love it. And I love that you are teaching your big girl that big girls need help too, baby. Yeah. And I just think that that's what parents is about. It's about being purposeful and intentional about how we parent our kids, not just going with the flow, like really being intentional about the things that you say, how you show up, what type of values and principles you're teaching them by them watching you. We have to really be intentional about who we're becoming. And I love that you said this because these are the things that I think that we need to share more amongst motherhood is these challenges and how we find unique ways to overcome them and teach a lesson behind them. Because that's the most valuable piece is the lesson behind it. It's not necessarily what happens. It's about what you learn behind it. And so I love that you said that because I feel like that's something that doesn't get shared as much, but it's so, so good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, I could sit here and talk to you all day, ma'am. Good. Before I let you go, I just want to ask you a couple questions that I ask everybody. I first and foremost want to know if you could go back in time and give your 17 year old version of you one piece of advice and one piece of advice only, what would it be and why? Slow down. Why I hear about the Valentino in my head, girl? (laughs) (laughs) Like I, that would be the main thing for me is slow down because like I literally lived life in the fast lane and I was just putting myself in situations that I didn't need to be in and things along those lines. I'll just say that. And I think that those were one of the biggest, that particular time in my life was one of the points where I really realized that it's okay to slow down. Yeah. I hope that makes sense. But my 17-year-old self, girl, she need to slow down. She just need to slow down. Ma'am, I asked that because 17 was a pivotal year for me. I graduated Mm. high school a year early and was trying to be extra, extra grown, right? Like I was in college on campus at 17 because I felt like I had to. And so I identify so much with that slow down. So you don't even have to explain. And I know we're not the only ones because that's that where you like, I'm grown. I can do this. I'm about to do boop. Then watch reality hit you, ma'am. Slow down. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Cause I'm like 17 year old Whitney. Woo child. Okay. We're not going to talk about her. She need to slow down. She need to slow slow down. down. Oh, period. (laughs) Okay. Good. Okay. Since we are on the Flow and Flourish podcast, talk to me about what you do on a daily basis to make sure that you're able to flow and flourish. So one of the main things that I do is I journal and I get out of my head. I have to get out of my head on a regular basis because I'm an overthinker. And so I have to literally have this whole shield of, I don't even know what you want to call it, I guess self-care around me that helps me clear my head. So I go to therapy, I journal, I listen to music, I twerk every now and then. Like I have things. (laughs) I thought I twerk in there, babe. 
Listen, Target is a part of our self-care, okay? <laughs> Those are some of the things. I need you to put that on the shirt. <laughs> put it on the shirt. I'm buying 10 of them. Yes, because like I have to find what works, for, what really makes me feel good. Like, how do I stay out of my head and keep myself going? And one of the things I do is make sure that I'm in a good mood. How do I get myself up there? Like, if I need to be in a good mood, how can I get myself there? Mm-hmm. And so journaling helps me with that. Um, dancing helps me with that. Uh, other things. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I got you. Listen, I don't know how ready your podcast is. I'm trying to tiptoe around it. Listen. I see you. I saw the eyeballs. There are other things that help us get right. right? Yeah, I do yoga. I do. I I just basically have like a whole defense around me to protect my mind. Because if I don't, then I will easily get off track and lose focus. And that's not okay when I'm in a position where I'm trying to focus on my parenting. I'm trying to focus on where I want to go in life and all these type of things. So I try to make sure that I have things in place that keep my mind focused. It's almost like a whole toolkit, right? Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. It's like a toolkit. Like I know what to pick and pull from. Some days I'm not going to want to dance, right? So then what do you have that's going to back up for that? You know, so you have to have like this thing, these things around you that support your growth. I love that. Yes. Yeah. You have me start. I'm gonna start asking people in the community too. What is your self-care toolkit? What are your go-to? Oh, that's so a that good one. Can, so we can all share different resources, right? Like mm-hmm. I never thought about just busting out and twerking because that does make girl. me feel good. Especially when you got a little bit of booty back there, right? Ooh, girl, it is <laughs> so much uh, it makes you feel so good and liberated, girl. Yes. Oh, okay. I, I love too it. much. <laughs> <laughs> And then the last question I have for you is, I know we've talked about a whole lot today, but if there is one thing that you want people to walk away from after listening to this podcast, what do you want them to take with them? I want them to realize that parenting is not about being perfect. It's about being purposeful and intentional. That's all I want them to know. It's not about your perfection. Nobody's looking for your perfection. We just want you to be purposeful and intentional about how you show up for your children. That's it. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. The perfectionism is the expectation. No, remove, we removing expectations. No. Yeah. It's, it's like you said, it's things that we have carried with us that no longer serve us. Right. From, our grandparents, our aunties, our parents, our friends. Parenting is just as unique as your fingerprint. And it's just as unique as your children. And so you have to adjust your styles, your strategies, and your toolkit to support you. And another thing I want people to remember as we, you know, bring this to a close is that just because you become a mom doesn't mean your life has to end. You have to be able to really take care of yourself, to flourish in yourself in order to show up and be the mom that they need you to be. You, you've dropped so many different nuggets. I cannot wait to put these show notes together and put this out here. Like, this is just amazing. Um, before I let you go all the way, tell us where we can find you, what you have going on, because you have, you've blessed me. What people may not know is that I've already worked with you. You've been a coach to me on how to get this six-year-old together um, so that he don't just take me smooth out or I don't take him out. So 
I've had the pleasure of working with you and I totally, totally recommend so many people to connect with you, especially if they have young children. But talk to everybody else and let us know where we can find you, what you got going on, all of that good stuff. Yes, so you can find me at the Mother May I podcast. It is on YouTube. It's my YouTube podcast show. It comes out every Wednesday right on the Mother May I podcast on YouTube. So you can find me there. You can also join and connect with us in the Motherhood Circle, which is on Facebook, which is our private community where we also share tips and other things pertaining to parenting that we don't typically talk about on a regular basis. And you can also just follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram at WBH Johnson. And that's it. That's where you can find me. (laughs) I will most certainly put all of this in the show notes. Do you have any sort of programs or anything that you're coming out with in the new year that we can expect or look forward to? So yes, I do have a membership program that is opening up soon. So make sure that you are following me at WBH Johnson on Instagram so that you can stay up to date when that's released. I think I'm going to give early access to the motherhood circle. So you may want to head into there first. Not me. First of all, no, y'all need to go there. Whitney (laughs) is a whole, she a whole vibe, y'all. So go there, absolutely join the motherhood circle so that you can get access because I know I want my access to the members because I need it in my life. So yes. Oh, goodness. Yes. So that's where you can find me and the membership program will be released soon. So you definitely want to connect and find me there. Okay, good. Well, I thank you again for joining me, giving me your time, providing so much insight to those of us who are struggling to create that balance and harmony between, you know, being a mom and being ourselves. And I just thank you for sharing your story for all of it. It's been nothing but a delight to have you here on the podcast. And I can't wait to do our live either, live q So listen. Thank you so much for having me. Like, I just felt like I was talking to my homegirl. This was a fun, fun interview. I loved it. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. Listen, didn't I tell you that this was going to be a really good episode? Whitney dropped so many different gems and left so many different nuggets. And you see, I said, even in the moment, she helped get my whole life together with my six-year-old that literally burst into my room. So I pray that this episode was super helpful for you and that you are able to implement some of the things that she told us about, such as establishing those boundaries within the house, creating a schedule to really support you and prioritizing your peace of mind. And all of these things are going to be in the show notes. So again, make sure that you check those out. And I also wanted to let you know that if you have been wanting to figure out how to work with me, I'm happy to announce that I am going to be opening up my group coaching program next year. So in January of 2021, but the only way to really get access to that is to be on my email list. So if you have not joined the email list yet, make sure that you head over to NicoleRone.com and do so. And if you could also please do me a favor and leave a review for this podcast, wherever it is that you listen to, because it really does make a really big difference. 
And I pray that everybody is staying healthy and enjoying the holidays. And I hope that these episodes throughout December are helping you to really practice self-care. And as moms, we more than anybody really need to be able to do that. So with that, I thank you for taking the time to listen to me. And I love the fact that I'm able to help you and be your capacity coach. And as we close out this year, I pray that I'm able to continue to help you create balance between your personal and professional life without ever having to sacrifice yourself, your family, and what matters most to you. Talk to you soon.